I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Donner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. As most of you know who have been following this podcast, I have a passion for looking for magic in every moment of life and teaching my daughters and now a group of kids mindset tools and gratitude that empower them to have confidence and trust that everything is always working for them, not to them. During this pandemic, I know these kids have had a rough time with online school, no sports, lack of social connection, and I know the list goes on because I have two girls, ages 12 and 14, who have been experiencing this new normal, which has been rough for most people. But what I have discovered after all this is that since I have taught my girls gratitude rituals and mindset tools, I have trained their little minds to be able to see the silver lining a little better, which made me think, what if I taught parents like me these tools so they can inspire and encourage their kids, especially these days, to live each day with passion and purpose and have the confidence to believe in themselves and use times like this to grow and expand rather than go inward and worry about things they can't even control. I would love to have you join me in my free masterclass called Raising Confidence. I will teach you my four-step magic mindset formula to help empower your kids and give them tools to look at life with the glass half full rather than half empty and realize they have the choice each day to live in love or fear. I want to show you ways to inspire them to live in love and know they are all perfect and can be, do, or have anything in this life. Also, it's so important to be aware of the thoughts we think and cancel out the negative ones. In this free masterclass, I want to show you all these empowering techniques and tools. Could you imagine if we knew these empowering life skills at that age, what our lives would be like now? If this is something you would like to learn more about, please send me an email to ashleygonner at gmail.com. I will send you information on my free masterclass called Raising Confidence. I am so excited to begin 2021 with hope, inspiration, and confidence, knowing we are all right where we should be and that life should be fun and full of love. Our kids deserve to rise up and live with confidence. I can't wait to hear from you. So now on to today's episode. Today, I have the pleasure to introduce you to a man whose journey has led him to living his dream. His name is David Strickle. I found him from listening to Gary Temple Bodley's podcast, The Law of Attraction Roundtable, who I had on as a guest a few weeks ago. David fascinated me because he, like Gary, channels what he calls the stream, named after our stream of consciousness that we all have coming from source. David's life is so interesting, 
how he came to know the stream and became aware of his gifts, and now has the ability to share them with everyone who is drawn to him. He has changed so many lives and inspired others to live in alignment and always be in awareness of your vibration. His take on law of attraction is similar to both Gary's with Joshua and Esther Hicks with Abraham. But when you listen to his experience and the stream that comes through him, it will elevate your understanding even more about how life can be. And if you use his teachings, the magic you can create each and every day of your life. So without further ado, let's welcome David Strickle to the show. Hi, Ashley. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so excited because I have been following you now that I've, when I first learned, like I said, on um, Gary's podcast, and you ignited this desire. I think what the first thing that comes to me when when I started following you was embrace the highs and embrace the lows. You locked that into me. And I think that since it's probably been a couple months now that I've been listening to the stream podcast, but you really made me realize let's embrace the low moments as well as the high moments because the low moments are growing. We're expanding. If we didn't have the low moments, we wouldn't be able to grow if they're all high, right? So anyway, that's my one little nugget of what you've, I will always think of you when I think of my low moments, because David will come into my mind or the stream will say, no, I have to embrace this moment. This is amazing. The low moments in life are just like the good ones. They're the same, right? Exactly. The low moments are your obstacles or your obstacles actually inspire all new creation. Right. So we all have this idea as human beings, because our, our ego, our human consciousness sort of overshadows our eternal wisdom. But when you tap into your eternal wisdom, your connection to your stream, you can really begin seeing life through that super high perspective and that high perspective of non-fear and non-judgment. You realize that if you were to achieve a state of just focusing on what you want and that's it, you would indeed manifest just what you want. And you would manifest everything that you want. And that sounds fantastic on the surface. But in reality, there's no new creation offered in that because we are creating the most perfect life, the most perfect travel, the most perfect experiences, the most perfect relationships, friendships, the most perfect flow of, of all the things that we want. And what do we do with that? When you have every single thing that you want, what is left? Because our wanting and our creating is actually a big driver of us getting through life. And for an example of this, look how many people are sort of dropped into the lap of luxury, a lot of of privilege in life where they really have everything that they want or everything that they think they want, and they find a way to disrupt it. They develop a gambling addiction or a drug habit or they cheat on their partner or, you know, something happens to disrupt this perceived perfection. And sometimes we're perplexed by that. We think, gosh, this person had everything going for them. And then they went and did that. Why is that? Well, that's because polarity causes our vibration to fluctuate. So really in our teachings, we've gotten away from even really talking about the law of attraction anymore. To me, the law of attraction is like gravity. It just is. We're attracting everything that comes to us at all times. And we don't sit around talking about gravity. I'm going to use gravity to stick to the earth today. We don't say things like that. Right. 
we really focus on polarity and vibrational flow and the positive aspects of the unwanted things in our lives, which are actually intended to inspire expansion. And the reason that the unwanted things in our lives are so quote unquote bad or awful is because we judge them that way. We've been taught we don't want to feel pain. You know, you feel a little pain, you're supposed to go take a pill or rush to the doctor because you have a little pain in your life or something disruptive happens and you've got to go to therapy and you've got to work, work your way through it. And then you get into spiritual teachings and the spiritual teachings are all about good, good, good. Just focus on the good stuff. You don't ever want to think about the bad stuff in your life. But the problem is as hard as we try to just focus on what we want and the good stuff, we have what I call transgressor energy. And these are all teachings from the stream that transgressor energy always is going to come back around in our lower vibrational state of flow and connect with us. We're going to recall that time that we were treated poorly. We're going to recall that time that we failed at something. And that recollection is playing on a loop in our subconscious mind and it connects with us and it causes our vibration to drop and it causes us to create unwanted things. Mm-hmm. So when we can get ourselves into a loop of high understanding of the gift of unwanted things, that the gift that they can be and that they're there to inspire new creation, we can actually get all the way over to this space of meeting those obstacles in joy, not fearing them anymore, actually experiencing fewer of them. And then when we do have an obstacle that arrives, we understand that we created that as an expansive tool. Hmm. And that's all it is. And, and, and there's so many things in our lives that we've encountered that we thought were, you know, sort of the end of the world that we moved through and expanded because we did so. Right. The transgressors that came from the stream, is it the similar to limiting beliefs? Is that the same kind of thing? Well, transgressors can be any unwanted person, circumstance, or event. So certainly, you know, limiting beliefs are unwanted, but limiting beliefs are usually created from transgressors. So your transgressors are, you know, all the way back to birth, you know, parents tend to have some transgressor energy, no matter what, regardless of of how well-intended they were in, in raising a child, there are generational differences that create different vibrations from, from generation to generation that are going to deliver contrast. Right. That's why you do not operate your life the same way that your parents operated their lives and certainly not the same way that your grandparents did mm-hmm. because the world evolves and we're born up to speed with the time that we're born into. And as such, we, we automatically have this disconnection from our parents that creates contrast in our lives. And that contrast actually is there to cause us to have these obstacles to create paths away from them and expand as a being in the process. Hmm. Speaking of parents, I before we keep going deeper, because I could keep going deeper, I want my listeners to understand, because your story of, I mean, we're pretty close to, you're 52, I'm going to be 52 next week. And this is a new thing. And I think it's fascinating because, you know, starting a podcast at 50, 51, and you, know, you think your life you know, at the end or, you know, like how, how start something at 50 when, you know, people are starting to think about retiring. And I, I always am like, retiring isn't even in my vocabulary. First Me of neither. all, I, I couldn't imagine. Uh, no. And yeah. I just can't. So with start, starting this ex- amazing thing that you just began, like kind of, it just started emerging out of you, I guess I could say, and we'll get deeper into that. But you know, it's just fascinating because life, if people could look at life as, you know, we're looking at the little 
breadcrumbs along the way and like really seeing that as little steps that are putting forward that we're going to, you know, the next thing, the next thing. And I really feel like you did that in life. And I think your story will give people this hope that, you know, even if you didn't have a, the full on, you didn't finish high school or all these little things and how you created your wealth. And then you wanted to get into law of attraction. All these things is such a neat story. I would love for you to share and you can start wherever you want, but I just love the, especially the part when you were in Florida, (laughs) that's a really cool, magical story since we're talking magic. Sure, sure. Well, I had uh, had awareness of what we call the law of attraction from as early as I can remember. I understood that that we could have or do or be anything and that we created our, our reality to an extent. I didn't fully understand it at that young age, but I, I, I understood the concept of it. I didn't know what it was called. Uh, at one point, I thought it was my own invention. And in, in around uh, junior high, high school, I remember thinking this was a cool thing that I created that all these other kids, you know, they're kind of stuck in this lane that they were born into. I was born over here, but I'm kind of operating over here now. And wow, this cool thing that I magically created. And it was good for my ego at that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went through, you know, my childhood thinking that I had something that everybody had. And then as a teenager, started understanding that, okay, I have an awareness of things that is a bit unlike other people that I maybe need to keep hidden. So I can- Like, give me an example of that. What, What would you be like in high school thinking? Like what would be uh, I, I remember that? well my my very very clear recollection that I share very often is uh, more junior high age fourteen distinctly remember telling my older brother I had a brother that was four years older than me Doug I remember telling him that okay I know that we're poor you know our our mother is a minimum wage earner we're living in this crappy two bedroom apartment with roaches and and you know really unsavory characters all around us. And then our half-sister and our cousins were all really upper middle class. They all lived in nice houses with swimming pools and, you know, drove nice cars and, and had everything that we wanted. We didn't have that stuff. And I remember telling him that if we mentally believed that we had those things, if we saw it in our mind and just began living it hmm. and acting like it, that those things would appear for us. And I remember huh. him thinking, he's telling me that it was very dishonest. He was very religious and we couldn't be dishonest. We had to be honest about who we were. And I remember thinking, no, I, I think that my way's better. <laughs> so right. we took his path and he's fine. And I took my path and I'm fine. And they're very different paths. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't changed much to this day. And I've, I've changed, I think, quite a bit. But I still go back to that knowing that we create our reality with our mind and our reaction to the things around us is our choice. Right. We're not victims. You know, even if something of a victim nature happens to us, how we view it moving forward is our choice, which a lot of people, you know, we're taught to say, oh, no, you're blaming the victim and you're a terrible human being for blaming the victim. It's not their fault. This isn't even about fault. This is about co-creative energy. So if you claim ownership of a creation, you then have the power to change it, including your recollection of everything that's happened in your life. So we tend to go through life telling these same stories over and over again. You know, I was abandoned at this age and I was abused at that age. And this horrible thing happened to me at this point and it was terrible and it was awful. And, you know, now I'm in therapy for life over it. And, you know, it's, it's really just impacted everything in my life. And, and you don't understand, I can't do this because this happened when I was six. And right. we, we kind of just play these stories in a loop. And when we learn to disrupt that story, that recollection, and start viewing it from a higher perspective, taking fear and judgment out of it, then that whole story changes. 
And then we have more power of everything in our lives moving forward, which is, it's very transformative. And it's, it's saddens me a little bit that more of humanity doesn't get it. But if I really zoom out to the higher perspective, I understand how we're all here on our own journeys. Not everybody's intended to understand this at this level. People are living different belief systems and it all serves a greater purpose of creating this ecosystem of planet earth. Right. We're not all going to expand to this, 5D that, you know, a lot of people are talking about where we're going to suddenly live in utopian perfection. I'm not about predicting the future, but that's not going to happen. (laughs) We're going to continue having our own unique beliefs and there's going to be all these, you know, infinite paths that people are on. And I do believe that there is a mass ascension, if you will, going on, but it's not what a lot of people think that it is because there's no value in that. If we all just come together and start agreeing about everything and there's no contrast and there's no illness, there's no poverty, there's no war, you know, that none of that's going on, then what's the purpose of physical anyway? Right. Because nothing's inspiring expansion. Right. You know, thinking back, because you were first attracted to Abraham Hicks and that's me too. And that was probably in my mid to late twenties and followed, followed, listened, went to her conferences and all that. But, you know, now here we are 30 years later, and I feel like it's so much more accepted or maybe it's just been out there longer than, you know, so people are kind of getting on that train. What makes you like, you know, sometimes, you know, people I'm not at our age worried about what people think of me. Isn't that great? Oh, it's such a freeing feeling. <laughs> I, <laughs> Not I everybody care. gets into their 40s and 50s and has that revelation, but if you do, it's it's great. It really is. Yes. And, but why do you think now, like, you know, with Gary and Esther and, you know, I know a few, I mean, I've followed, you know, your podcast, I've listened to a few other people. And why do you think now it's become more accepted? We're going through this pandemic where is this whole planet like moving toward that thought process? Are they all kind of coming I together? I think we're becoming more sophisticated in, in our, our, as a culture and as a collective consciousness. Of course, I, I do think we're always becoming more sophisticated. And the stream has said that we have, again, as an ecosystem of planet Earth, humanity emerged as the most intelligent physical life form and really started, you know, changing the direction of of its own evolution, plus all of this technology that's been created. And the technology has actually brought us together like never before. So now, globally, we're able to communicate. We have podcasts, we have global television networks, we have the internet, we have Facebook, we have other social media outlets. So now we're really coming together as a collective. And more and more people are understanding that those tools of society building, government, organized religion, uh, monarchy before that even, all of these tools of society creation, societal creation, were beneficial for a while. You know, putting, placing everybody into these sort of templates and saying, okay, you're a middle-class person. This is the life you're going to have. You're going to go to school. You're going to go to college. You're going to get this type of job working for a corporation. You're going to get married. You're going to have a couple of kids. You're going to buy a couple of houses. You're going to save for retirement. You're going to die. There's your life laid out for you right there. And a lot of people said, sure, and jumped right into that and very happily did so. But uh, for a lot of people, that didn't work for different reasons. And it seems like more and more people are now accepting that, okay, I don't have to get into that template. I don't have to do that. And you see these millennials. I used to live in a high-rise building in San Francisco just a few years ago. 
And I was on the old side. <laughs> I was in my late 40s, and I definitely was one of the oldest people in that building. Huge building, 400 apartments. I think the cheapest studio was $4,400 a month. It was an oh expensive building to live in, packed with millennials, all these huh. tech millennials. So many of them were entrepreneurs. So many of them were running around in pajamas, you know, with their, their Mac or their iPad doing business out in the common areas. And, and, and it was just very tech driven, very entrepreneurial driven community of younger people internationally. I mean, just from all over the world. Hmm. And it was really an interesting place because you just saw how this younger generation, uh, the younger generations are so open to, we don't have to get married. We don't have to go to university. We don't have to have kids. We don't have to work for anyone. We can right. live where we want to live. We can do what we want to do. And they're living that more than Gen X, our generation, and certainly more than the baby boomers did. Right. With every generation, we're seeing more and more freedom-seeking thought. And that freedom-seeking thought is causing the disruption of all of those institutions of control. So mm -hmm. we're seeing fractures in organized religion. We've been seeing that for a number of years now. You know, when I was a child, I don't recall any religion ever coming into question, really, I mean, there were atheists, and I was aware of that, certainly. And there were, you know, different uh, cults and stuff like that. I was aware of all that. But no one really questioned the church. And then all the stuff with the Catholic Church blew up. And then all these other things with other religions started blowing up. And so now we're questioning organized religion like never before. We're questioning government. That's why our government is so non-functioning today, because it doesn't really serve our expansion. We're all getting that like never before. And we're not giving it the same power, whether we choose to participate in the democratic process or not. And I'm not just talking about the United States. This is happening everywhere. So mm -hmm. governments are coming into question. Religion, the monarchy seems to be sort of dissipating. You know, all of that, and every culture is different, I understand. But we're all on this journey of questioning, even in the Middle East, these, you know, highly sort of controlling oppressive cultures. You've seen a lot of disruption in that, and even some progression in some of those cultures in recent years. So we're coming out of this period of society building into more of a period of, of personal freedom and understanding that, yes, we create our own reality. No, we're not locked into the, the borders of a country. No, we're not locked into having to, to have a traditional education because a bunch of people get together and decide that, hey, we're going to all make money if we put together this thing and give you this piece of paper that tells you that you know, you're then worthy. And this is, how, this is how it is. And this is how it's always been. Well, a lot of people now realize that, gosh, I don't have to do that. I can all the information in the world is at my fingertips. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm a curious individual, I didn't get past the 10th grade. Yes. Yet I don't consider myself uneducated at all. I educated myself. I went out and if there was something I was curious about, and I'm curious about a lot of things. I dig in, I find the information that I need to find. I learn the things that I need to learn. Even when I was in the corporate world, I was in a very high up position. In fact, you had to have an MBA to report to me in some cases. That's so I didn't great. Pass I love that. Grade. Yeah. And I remember really flying by the seat of my pants. And if there was something that came up that I didn't know what it meant or what, or what it was, you know, in the beginning, I would just Google it, dive into it, learn about it. And then I was as knowledgeable as anybody else. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, it really is an interesting time to be alive because we are coming out of that society building period. And they call this now the information age. Well, the information age means that we're all getting more information. And because we live in a contrasting environment, a lot of us are taking that information and going really deep with it, while others are wanting to do exactly the opposite. Let's go back to the 1950s. We want to go back to how things were because the future scares us. It's not laid out for us. 
we need to, you know, there, there are people in our society that want everything to go back to the way it was. They want to turn the clock back to a different time. Mm-hmm. That's not possible. We're in an evolutionary, expansive universe, and you're not ever going to go back to the way things were. We were with teenagers in the 80s. The 80s was fun. Right. It was a cool time. I'm a car fanatic. I love the cars of the 80s. I love the music of the 80s, the culture of the 80s. You know, it was kind of this insane time of, you know, these contrasts of sort of anything goes with art and fashion, yet it was very much sort of a consumerism stage of humanity as well. And I look back and think it's a very charming thing. And it's, it's cool to kind of have experienced that, but we're not going to go back to that. Right. We're going to go to something new. And I'm really excited about that. What's next? What's next? What's next? Right. And a lot of people talk to the stream and they want the stream to say what's next. In fact, it's funny. Somebody sent me, um, somebody that works on my business was saying, gosh, this person's doing this thing and maybe we should look at doing this online event this, the way this person is. This person's a psychic. And they have this event where they're going to predict what's happening in 2021, hmm. uh, which is not really congruent with my belief system as far as someone really predicting. I think that there's endless possibilities for 2021. And, and, the, and the interesting thing is, is that tons of people signed up for that. And right away, the stream swooped in and said, there will always be more people that want someone else to predict their future for them. Yes. Because then it takes the responsibility away of doing it yourself. Right. But the truth is, we are creating our reality. Now, somebody could come out and say, this is what the future holds, and via the power of suggestion, have multiple people line up with that and have that sort of play out. What I see happening most of the time with people that predict the future is that people that really want to believe that and create that as reality will create that reality and saying, look, this person said this, this, and this, and these things happened. But it's always sort of cryptic. Right. You know, it's always a general idea because the truth is we are creating what's next. There is no way for anyone to predict what the future is going to be. I think people can predict certain future events, certainly, because there, there are these endless possibilities and you can tap into that sometimes. But the cool thing in our lives is instead of going to someone that's going to tell you what's next in your life, you decide what's next in your life. Right. Because we do. And I see it play out. You know, I have three years now of my own data of, of working with people who wanted to create certain things in their lives that, you know, got in, they, they got into the Taya practice that we've created and they did, and they changed their trajectory and they changed their reality and they changed what was next for them. And with continued practice, continue to do so. We all have the ability to, to develop tools to do that. Right. That's so much more exciting to me than listening to somebody telling me what's, what's, you know, they think is going to happen next. Right. For sure. So I want to talk about before we get too far in about the stream and how you found you had this ability. And, you know, I was thinking, I was listening to one of your podcasts this morning and it was, you were talking about, you know, long ago it was when someone channeled something, their voices were so weird, right? Like it would be, you know, what is going on and what is coming out? I remember that. bodies would jerk. and Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. that when I was little, I remember things with my mom, like she would listen to something and I remember thinking, oh my gosh. But then, you know, then Abraham comes in and makes it more real and normal, just, you know, speaking. Yeah, Abraham, Abraham was very transformative in the channeling world. And I think it was a combination of Esther's natural ability and Jerry's marketing mind. Mm-hmm. They sort of co-created this entity and this way of presenting this that was very palatable and continues to be to a lot of people. And that's huge. And it's like a skeptic could look at that and say, well, they, they just created that. 
that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not skeptical about Abraham one bit. I think Abraham's completely real. Right. And the thing is, is that it was the co-creative genius of the marketing mind coming in rather than just the person that has the ability sort of letting it flow. And then Esther really getting comfortable with it. Because for me, I found that the more comfortable with it, I got the easier and the better it flowed. So in the beginning, when I was really nervous and I was, you know, so intimidated to go share this publicly, I channeled into my iPhone recorder and those recordings are still in there somewhere, I'm sure. And they're rough. They are rough and they are, uh, there was a sort of a, almost like an Indian accent for a while and all these things. And then I came to understand that all that was my doing, you know, Mm -hmm. these channels of before, you know, the past few decades, that was their trying to allow something to flow through and being so uncomfortable with it that it was causing the jerking and the, and the voices and all of this, just that was their own manifestation. Like everything is of course. Mm -hmm. But that was the evolution that was. That was the information that was at that time. And then Esther and Jerry come along and they create something that didn't freak me out. You know, when I listened to Esther for the first time channel, and I was very judgmental about this stuff. I was very much, you know, afraid to share what I had coming to me in a public way. But her ability to channel and then in a few short years really transition to a persona, if you will, that is just like anybody else speaking, really, you really can't tell the difference. You know, if you don't know Esther, you wouldn't know that that's not coming from just a human, you know, consciousness. Right, for sure. So that made it a lot more palatable for me. And then I dove into it. It was very inspiring to me. And then I did the same thing. Mine started out kind of rough. If you go back to my very beginning of my podcast, it was more formal and I had more pauses and things like that. And now because I've shared it and I've put it out there and I've interacted and it doesn't scare me in any way and I'm not judging it in any way. Now it just flows. Right. You know, you can tell the difference between me and the stream for sure, but it just flows with ease now. And it's just because I've allowed it. And that's the inspiration that I got from Esther Hicks. Right. Will you explain your, the way you came to find the stream and all that? Yeah. The knowing always was there. I always just called it, at some point, I started calling it my knowing. When I was a little kid, I just thought it was what everybody had. And then I got a little older and realized, okay, everybody's not getting this. And I understand things in a very adult way that a lot of other kids don't understand. But I also knew that if I wanted to have sort of a normal childhood, I needed to really keep that hidden. So I did. And, you know, go through my my teen years. And I got into my 20s. And that's where I was, I I started getting a little more awkward with it. You know, I didn't connect with other people the way you think I would in social settings and things like that. So I really started going to psychics. I was not guided to dive into mainstream spirituality. I remember buying a book by Sylvia Brown Mm -hmm. and doing these different things and just thinking, this just doesn't connect with me. Nothing against Sylvia Brown. It just didn't because those other paths were just not going to be my path. I was really guided inward, inward, inward. It's for you to figure this stuff out, not for you to go to other people for answers. But still, I went to psychics. And I was always very, very fascinated with anything supernatural. Even horror movies that were more of a supernatural nature were always very interesting to me. And then the psychic situations, I moved to Orlando, Florida. Gosh, I ended up living there twice. So it was the second time that I moved to Orlando I was really, 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 really getting the the sort of itch 
to really figure this out. And then I found out just from some coworkers, it was the first time in my life I remember actually being open enough just to talk to my uh, coworkers and say, hey, I really want to go see a psychic. And then suddenly these people come out of the woodwork and like, oh my gosh, well, Casadega is right there. You've got to go to Casadega. So Casadega is uh, between Orlando and Daytona uh, in Florida. And it's this little tiny village. I mean, there's probably less than 100 people there. And it's all psychics. And uh, I was recommended to go see Hazel in the pink house. And so I got a phone number from somebody. I called her up. She sounded like a really nice lady. I booked an appointment and then I showed up and I showed up early. I'm kind of type A. So I always show up every place uh, early and I'm walking around this, this little village and I round this corner and here is this little white church and a pond. And I had dreamt of this, this picture for, and it wasn't anything, it wasn't like a picturesque church either. It was kind of like just a building and a little pond. It wasn't anything special like for you'd see in a movie, right? But I'd been dreaming about rounding that corner and seeing that little body of water and that little building over and over and over mm-hmm. again throughout my life. And I realized that, wow, this is what I've been dreaming of. And the whole time I was there, I felt this, this different vibe there for sure. There's absolutely something special about Casadega. So cool. I go to my appointment and uh, this woman answers the door and she's got like this, this, this old Chanel suit on. And here we are in Florida, you know, oh, this funny. tiny little house and she's got like this, this jacket on and it's all buttoned up and she's kind of dressed up and it looks like it's probably you know, like a 30 or 40 year old outfit. <laughs> this wig on that was very obviously a wig. Very oh my sp- gosh. And so she had this little dog that also looked like it was sort of 30 or 40 years old. <laughs> so she oh, brings funny. me into the house and, and sits me down. And right off the bat, she asked me to like turn these color chips over and stuff and give her some handwriting. And I was really skeptical for a minute. And then it just kind of dawned on me, nope, you need to not worry about that stuff. Just allow it to be. And I did. And she was the first person that used the word channel with me. And she mm-hmm. said, you are a channel and you actually have a, you know, this, this fantastic ability and it really freaked me out. I remember thinking, I don't want to be one of those weird spiritual people. You know, right. I don't want to be working with a, you know, you know, behind the beads. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't see myself with a ponytail and sandals. That's how I was judging all of it like that. Right. Right. Okay. No, no, no. I'm a corporate guy. You know, I live in a country club community. I'm not that person. I don't want to do, you know, that's not my thing. And, and so she pulls out this, this Abraham uh, box set of cassette tapes, actually. That's how old yeah. these were. This was early 2000. It wasn't that long ago. And so she pulls this out and said, Abraham. And I think it was like, I remember it being like purple with gold writing of Abraham. It looked very religious to me. And I remember her saying, you need to listen to this because this is sort of what you're all about and you need to listen to this. Wow. I left there. It was a magical experience because she confirmed a lot of things that that really made me believe she was the real deal as Mm -hmm. far as psychic abilities. You know, I was really transformed in that one interaction. But the Abraham thing, I just put a wall up about. So years later, probably I'm trying to remember all these years falling into place here. That was around 2002, I think. And around 2007, I got a job transfer from Orlando to Seattle, Washington. And I had this rear drive convertible Mercedes at the time. And I bought a house at the top of this mountain. Beautiful view, but it never dawned on me being from Florida that every time it snowed, I was going to have to get up the mountain in this car. Oh, funny. And so I couldn't get up the mountain. Every time it snowed, the car wouldn't make it up the mountain. I had to hike. I was about 300 pounds at this point. So oh my know, not in the best shape to be hiking up the mountain in a snowstorm. So it wasn't <laughs> a good situation. I remember I, I remember I wanted to manifest a Range Rover. 
I had just bought the most expensive house I'd ever bought. So I was really like, okay, somehow I want to have a black Range Rover. That's the next thing I want to drive. I want to get rid of this Mercedes. So I'm teaching uh, in my corporate position. I traveled all over the Western United States and Western Canada teaching commissioned salespeople how to be successful. I was a VP in the company and that was my role was overseeing all these locations. And the way I was successful is I was really successful in teaching salespeople to sell. And I used law of attraction to do it, but I didn't call it that because you can't call it that because then people think you're teaching religion in a corporate environment. So after one of these sessions, this woman that was in the session comes up and she said, have you ever heard of Abraham? And I told her I thought I had, I kind of uh, recalled that binder and she says, well, hold on. You need to listen to this because you sound like them. Huh? I'm like, well, how's Abraham and them? Okay. Let me see what you're talking about here. Right. He goes and gets these CDs and brings these CDs out and it kind of had the same look and feel. And uh, she just happened to have them at her desk. She just kept the Abraham CDs at her desk. And I guess she listened to them at her desk when she wasn't working. And so she hands me this box set of CDs and she says, you sound like them. You need to go and listen to this. And I remember again thinking, eh, you know, nice lady, I'll take your CDs. I'm probably not going to listen to this stuff. I'm not really into this Bible stuff. So I, you know, put it in the passenger seat, drive home that night, pull up behind this black Range Rover, exactly the car that I wanted to manifest and look down and the license plate said Abraham. No. Oh my gosh. So I saw that and realized, okay, the universe is trying to really tell me that I need to pay attention. to this. So I went home right. this entire night listening to those CDs. And they turned out to be the original recordings of Abraham and Jerry Hicks huh. from 1988. And they went into great detail. All of that detail was very relevant. And then I really got into to consuming Abraham. I'd go to workshops. I would listen all the time. It was sort of my church for a while. Yeah, me too. Very inspired by it. And I sort of got to a point with it to where it was very inspiring. They inspired me to begin meditating and I began meditating. I had what I call a Kundalini awakening where this energy sort of erupted at the base of my spine and it is electrified in my body to this day. Very electrified. I was sitting last night and Michael's mother told me that my hands were shaking. And I, I said, well, I just have this sort of, you know, buzziness about me all the time. And she didn't really understand it at all. I kind of left it at that. But I do have this sort of buzziness about me all the time. So I did the meditation. I had the Kundalini awakening. I started a meditation practice after that because it was just such amazing, an amazing experience of just awakening in my body. And then I, I was really applying the Abraham teachings to my life in a higher way. I got to this point where I realized that, okay, I've manifested all this material stuff. And from my childhood perspective, and this was around age 40, 41, I had all the stuff I was supposed to have to be happy. I had the big house. I had the nice cars. I had the nice suits. I had the fancy shoes. I had the, you know, the crystal, the china, the custom drapery, the fancy furniture, the expensive wine, you know, the built-in refrigerator. I had all the boxes checked off of all the stuff for happiness in this world. And I still wasn't happy. You know, I was still 300 pounds at that point. I was addicted to Oxycontin. I had chronic back pain. Uh, I was in a relationship that neither one of us should have been in at that point. Um, You know, nothing else was working. The only thing that was working was career and money and stuff. And I realized I needed to change all this. So I started trying to, quote unquote, use the law of attraction now that I knew that it had a name. And I've read The Secret. I've, you know, been around Abraham. I'm going to use it more intentionally And there were certain aspects of it that worked beautifully. And for me, there were certain things that didn't work. I had abundance blocks. I had these things 
And Abraham's message, you know, just pay attention to what you want, just focus on what you want and, and you will have it. That message is true. Right. It's absolutely true. And I think it works for a lot of people. For me, there were aspects of my past that I couldn't just decide not to revisit because mm-hmm. there were times that my vibration was just lower. And when my vibration was lower, those things would bubble up and would sort of grab hold of me sometimes and drag me down a little bit. And I started to think for a little while that I was broken, but my knowing would come back and say, you're not broken. You are just needing to develop a different set of tools than this. And so I started kind of weaning myself off of the Abraham stuff at that point and really developing my own system for changing the things. And I did change all of those things in my life. I lost a hundred pounds, kept the hundred pounds off for a decade put 20 of it back on during COVID for sure. But, you know, but I kept <laughs> I the last, last year, uh, a year ago, I was in the best shape of my life at 51 and at 41, I was almost 300 pounds. So, but using uh, what, give me an example. Like if someone, when you law of attraction or what you're using in your brain. To- well, you know, a lot of people say that they'll say we're using the law of attraction. And, and that right. was kind of what I was thinking is that, okay, I'm just going to focus on what I want. Right. I'm not going to allow myself to focus on what I don't want. But what I kept getting was that every few days, that would kind of peter out and and my vibration would drop and all of that old stuff would sort of come back. And then I got really clear that the reason these aspects of my life aren't changing is because I've got that, that loop playing in the back of my mind and my subconscious, if you will, that's sort of hampering this vibrational shift that I want to make. Hmm. So through what I now call the stream, I didn't call it the stream at that point through my knowing I started working on that stuff. You mean transgressors? Is that what you're talking about? Transgressor energy. I started working on the transgressor. I did exactly opposite of what Abraham was teaching me to do. I started working on the transgressor energy. Like, wow, you know, my father left when I was six and I always held a grudge, you know, about that. My mother uh, fought for custody of us and then she checked out. As soon as she won custody, she checked out. And she told me she never wanted kids. She never wanted me. Uh, You know, when I was a teenager, she told me she hated me. She told me to kill myself. Oh, David. Yeah, she, she wasn't really mother of the year. <laughs> so <laughs> so she, she was not prepared. But, but I realized that I, you know, because my mother was like that with me as a teenager. And then in my, around 19, I started my own business and I started making money. Mm-hmm. And I remodeled my mother's apartment. I bought her a dog. I was a grown up at this point. I wasn't a kid out all night partying and drinking and coming home drunk anymore like I was in high school. And we started being friends. It was never a mother son relationship, but we were friends hmm. and we were kind of developing this cool friendship. By this time I knew very well that I was gay, that I was in the closet. And so we had this kind of cool friendship and this connection, unlike what she had with my older brother. And it was kind of the typical, you know, mother gay son relationship there for a minute. And so the business that I had started kind of played out. I got a corporate job. I moved off to Atlanta, Georgia, And when I moved to Atlanta, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I didn't know one person there. So Mm -hmm. I actually became the person I wanted to be in Atlanta because I didn't have all these friends and family to be in the closet around. I moved to Atlanta and right away just started the coming out process as as a gay man. Well, within a couple of years, I met somebody, fell in love. I wanted them to meet my mother. I introduced him to my whole family without telling them, just as a friend. Oh, wow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And apparently they were, because when I told them, they were all in shock. Okay. Like, really? I brought a guy with me to meet you all. <laughs> you're, you're in right. shock about this. Oh, funny. So when I told my mother, she hung up the phone and, and didn't speak to me at all. 
So I waited a year. This was at Christmas. I called her at Christmas to tell her that I was gay and I was in love, hung up. Wow. Wouldn't answer the phone. So I left her alone for a whole year. The next year at Christmas, I decided, okay, it's time to call her again. Surely she's over this. And she was not. You're dead to me. You never happened. You're awful. You know, this isn't my fault. It was, she was really fixated on the fact that it wasn't her fault that I was gay. Hmm. And she and I really had it out. I won't go into too deep details, but I really unleashed on her at that point and went through a period. She never spoke to again after that for the rest of her life, 20 plus years. It went through a period of just working through that for a long, long time. And when I finally came around to understanding that, wow, if I hadn't had my father be the way that he was and my mother be the way that she was, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. Right. And so I found appreciation for them Mm -hmm. because I I saw other people in my life that really got into the template of life because they had these great parents that cared about them so much and they want to please their parents and they're doing what their parents taught them to do. And I realized that, that at that point, my life had already been this sort of interesting series of twists and turns and breaking rules and doing things that I wasn't supposed to be able to do without an education you know, or as a gay man or or whatever, my whole life was just magical like that. And I realized that I probably wouldn't have become that person Mm -hmm. had I had these doting parents to to connect to and please. I was really left to my own devices. So I found real appreciation for them. And when I did, they were no longer transgressors for me. There was no more victim vibe around any of that, that just that energy was just gone. And I realized that, wow, it took me time, but I, I detuned my parents. They're not what they used to be to me. Right. I love that. So that was a very powerful process. And then I realized that I can apply that to every single subject in my life. Everything that's ever happened has been a gift. Mm-hmm. And now I see that. I've had bad things happen. I've had, you know, p- people sabotage me career-wise. I've had bad bosses. I've had, you know, my, my first partner cheated on me and contracted HIV outside our relationship. Wow. Didn't tell me, <laughs> oh you know, God. luckily I didn't, but still, you know, it could have been. So he's, at that time was putting my life at risk. So I've had my share of negative things happen in my life as everybody has. And now I look back and it's like, wow, all of that served my expansion, all of it. Mm-hmm. I've been beaten up. I've been abused. I've been, all of that stuff has happened to me. So realizing that I really was able to sort of make peace with and transition every part of my life. And then I got to this point where I realized the goal is not perfection, you know, losing the weight, getting healthier, getting off of painkillers. I was addicted to Oxycontin for a year, getting out of the battery. It's all good. But even when I clean up all of that, Mm -hmm. obstacles come along, but then I solve the obstacles and I look back and realize some of these things came around and I thought they were going to be, you know, life ending or monumental. Right. And they weren't. Mm-hmm. You know, I let my vibration go up and I solved it. And I don't even remember half of the problems now. That mm-hmm. And so I really got a different perspective about obstacles. And it was just really my knowing coming into play. And then I got to this point where I was teaching as much as I could in my corporate environment. And I, I was so unable to go as deep as I wanted to with people because again, I had an HR department to deal with. I couldn't get out and start teaching spirituality in a corporate environment, very conservative company. So I decided I was going to write a book and start a podcast. And I was in a a very high up uh, VP role. I was reporting directly to the CEO of a fortune 500 company. 
And, you know, me having a podcast and starting to write a book was just a bizarre thing in that world. And I realized I can't keep doing this job. And that was sort of my last holdout, thinking I had to have that, that mid six figure job. I have to have this job or something like it because I have to have this, this big income or what am I going to do? And I realized, you know, this is sort of the last frontier is to really let go of that. Mm-hmm. And I did, I quit. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a ton of money saved up to, to just live off of you know, people hear that you make that much money and you think, well, gosh, surely you saved a lot of money. Of course not. <laughs> I spent $6,000 a month on an apartment that I rented and I spent $1,200 a month on a car and, you know, right. $150 dinners, you know, multiple nights a week, you know, that was my lifestyle. So yeah, you blow through it when it just comes that easily. So jumped out of the airplane, quit my job. I had the podcast. I had an unpublished book, no way of making a living. And then that was three years ago. That's amazing. It's just all twisted and turned and unfolded and expanded and almost petered out and then bounced back. And it's just this amazing journey now. Right. Years later. We'll bring this dream on in a little bit. And we are getting it toward the end. But there's so many many things I want to ask you. Does the stream, when you teach your boot camp, are you teaching it or is the stream teaching it? The boot camp, there's several different things that create Taya boot camp. Okay. There's an online automated course component of it. And the course component is all channeled. And the cool thing, when I jumped out of the airplane, quit the job, I hired an editor for my book because at that point, I didn't know if I was going to publish it traditionally or self-publish it or what. I knew being a dyslexic, I needed to have it polished up and edited. So I hired an editor and the editor introduced me to a person that teaches you how to do an online course. Hmm. And market it. And she was specifically teaching spiritual people. She calls them spiritual entrepreneurs to do that. And I kind of turned my nose up to it at first. And then I realized that, wow, if I really want to help people change their lives, this is a really good vehicle. In fact, I didn't realize that the stream really dropped that, that knowing. And I dove into it and it, it worked. And the cool thing about the course is it didn't exist. The way she teaches you is you get out, you start building platforms to market your course, and you actually co-create the course with your first students. And it sounds insane, but I actually had people pay me a lot of money to take a course that didn't even exist because they were so into the podcast. Right. And and I told them, this course doesn't exist yet. Here's the outline. Here's the goal of the course. And they were like, yeah, we'll do it. And they signed up. And so twice a week, we got on Zoom. And I had an outline. I, I knew, you know, basically what I was being guided to teach in an outline. But then the, the course itself is just channeled. I would get on twice a week and just channel the course. And then since then, we've had, you know, slides and things like that. It's all been updated. But the whole thing is, is in its original form because it works. I don't want to tamper with it. It's 100% channeled as far as the course goes. And then, of course, beyond that, we have group sessions. We have coaching from different coaches. We have mentors. We have a lot of other things that really create the boot camp mm-hmm. of it. But the course itself is all channeled. And like mm-hmm. I said, I will, I will never change it because it works. Right. And it's Taya and it's trust your abundance. T-Y-A. And we, we use it like a word, Taya. Uh, it stands for trust your abundance. And because er- everything is really about trust. Whatever you're not getting or expanding into, it's because you're not fully letting go and trusting the universal process of creation. Right. Like everything's on the other side of fear, right? Like everything that you want. And and Taya is all about detuning fear, which detunes judgment. Judgment is a component of fear, but it's a very significant component of fear in our lives 
because we are discerners of preference. We're judgmental no matter what we are. But when you are judging something as this isn't working, I'm broken, I'm not worthy of this, uh, you know, whatever it is, that judgment component of fear really stifles us. That's our limiting beliefs. That's our abundance blocks. Right. So learn to detune that and all of those abundance blocks just fade away. But what we have found is because of polarity, this, this universal force that keeps everything in sync as we know it, mm-hmm. that takes our vibration up and down, we're not going to just go up to high vibration and just stay there in that source connected blissful space. We don't, nobody does. Mm-hmm. We dip down, things trigger us. But what we do in Taya is we work to remove the triggers and then we work to remove the judgment around what we call the downflow of vibration because we're all going to experience it. But when you're no longer judging it as bad or awful or, or dark energy or evil or even demonic or all those words that we give to it, if you stop the judgment of that downflow and just allow yourself to have that lower vibe experience, you actually create fewer obstacles in your life. And the ones that you do create, you solve with ease. Right. I love that. And I think I'm getting better because I'm doing all this work at keeping acknowledging when it my vibration goes down and to know how to get it back up because I know how to do that. But yeah. it is Having a process. Your vibe up is very, very powerful. Yes. Such a powerful tool. Okay. I, I want to bring the stream in before we end this. Can we do that? And do I just ask questions? Is that how it works? Yes. So what we'll do is take a quick meditation, set an intention for them to come in and deliver everything that you're and your audience uh, are wanting and needing at this time. And they will always announce themselves as we are here. And then you can just start asking questions. They just don't come talk. Do I start Uh, the conversation? Usually there's kind of a a, a you tuning to the vibe of them. Okay. uh, Just as the host. It's good to just start asking questions. It's fine. If you don't, they will just start rolling into something. Uh, but they don't have a concept of time. So <laughs> as the host, you might want to take a little more control of that because they'll talk and talk and talk and talk. Okay, fun. So just set an intention for the, the unfolding to be positive and it's going to be exactly what it needs. Yes, it's all good. Got it. We are here. Oh, nice to see you. Oh, I am. It's a pleasure to meet you, and I've been listening to you and loving every part of what you bring to my life. And I wanted to ask you a few questions about your take on our time in life, on what life is when we look at time here on this earth. Versus how you view time. We do not exist in time. We do not exist in linear time at all. Nor do you, essentially. But you perceive in linear time. And when answering these questions, we tend to avoid dipping into things that are truly beyond your human comprehension. Because you are limited to human comprehension while you are experiencing an expression as a human being and experiencing what you are perceiving in linear time, that that is your point of perception, if you will. But what exists beyond physical is consciousness. 
is, is thought, it's intelligence. I mean, we are the root of all of that. And the consciousness is ever expanding and to better describe it, becoming more and more and more sophisticated, if you will. And then that expansion occurs from strands of consciousness that are part of that which we are experiencing physical environments which are polarized and these physical environments being experienced you are going to acquire a consciousness that is congruent with the physical environment that you are in in this case you are a human being experiencing planet earth and planet earth is a perception of a physical ecosystem and the, the physical ecosystem of planet earth operates in linear time so that your consciousness can come and have this linear experience of being conceived in gestation and being born and living a span of time as a human being and returning to your completed state at, at the end of that span of time, what, what you call death. And in that experience that is linear, you are manifesting a, a combination of positive and negative things. In the energetic realm, that is not occurring. In the energetic realm, you are all seeing, you are all knowing. Your consciousness is omnipresent and omniscient. And you understand from that perspective that you are expressing yourself as a strand of consciousness being in infinite ways. And in each of these ways, you are rewriting in more and more sophistication the experience that you've had. And it is, for lack of a better analogy, you are living the circumstance the path over and over and over again in different ways. And as a human being, that serves your expansion because you're in this timeline and you are experiencing the, these things that you enjoy, your preferences, and you are experiencing these things that you do not, your obstacles. And your obstacles are, are there as your own creation to inspire new creation. The intelligent mind encountering an obstacle of any sort will inspire a path through it or away from it. Evolution, new technology, the solving of problems, all of that creates new thought. It sparks new thought. So without contrast, without obstacles, there's no new thought. Mm -hmm. And that new thought is part of the energetic realm. That fuels the energetic realm, if you will. Okay. So we are expansive beings by nature as you are. And our expansion is created in the infinite strands of consciousness that are expressing themselves in a physical way, experiencing these timelines, if you will, and having these experiences in different ways with these obstacles and these expressions of that which we are, which are the things that you enjoy. So when you, you are beyond the physical realm, you are in a state of consciousness that is not linear. So everything that has ever happened and everything that is ever going to happen is occurring simultaneously, wow. but it's ever evolving and expanding and ever becoming more sophisticated in the process. Huh. Why don't we just stay where you are? Why do we choose to come to this earth and experience the polarity? Because there is no expansive energy in existing in, in, in what you would call pure positive. There is no contrast. There is no polarity. Where you are. Indeed. We are everywhere. We are where you are. And we are, we are where we are, as are you. But you are experiencing in human consciousness that separates you to a degree from that. Though not completely, you have an innate awareness of, of your eternal nature and your connection to all that is. 
this is why your religious teachings can be so powerful because you all understand on various levels that you have this connection. But you've been taught that it's something different than it truly is. But in those teachings, that is also creating the perceived bubble of reality that is creating the expansion. And when we forget where we've come from when we're born, we have the veil. I've learned that that word. The veil comes over and we forget life our the stream consciousness and we start living our life and you know creating these limiting beliefs and all that stuff we create our life with the ups and the downs the current of life so we can experience and grow and expand and then when we continue and end our life and our life becomes we go back to source and now we're a stream of consciousness connected to everybody still on this earth, but we choose to come back again and do this over and keep expanding. Do we always expand? Are we like craving an expansion when we're as the stream? The best way to describe that you you have heard the, the term you are either expanding or you are dying. Yes. That is the best analogy for your expansive nature. The energetic realm is expansive by design. And in that expansiveness is generated through the experiencing of physical realities, the creation of physical realities, that new physical realities are created continually and trying to bring all this down to, to earthly linear time with the idea of infinite experiences. We often hear human beings state things like you, you are in so many lifetimes and after X number of lifetimes, you, you no longer have to come to physical Right. Then what do you do? Right. That's what I, yeah. You are just existing. Okay. Your intelligence is is too great to just exist. So the existing, for lack of better terminology, becomes tiresome. You're bored. Mm -hmm. On expansion. Your human life is a reflection of your eternal self. So think about how a human being, once they create many things, you do not see human beings creating many things and stopping the creative process and just continuing to move forward in a linear fashion. Either they return to creating new things and continue to expand, or they begin to decline. Mm -hmm. You see examples of this around you. There is no just being stagnant. There is no such thing as that. In the energetic realm is exactly the same. Our expansion is driven by your expansion. And you are an expansive being. So when you return to your completed state, you are eager to come back from that perspective and do it all over again. And you are eager, in fact, to come back in a more sophisticated way and do it all over again. And in terms of planet Earth, a more sophisticated way is, is often a more difficult way. Projecting yourselves into illness, projecting yourselves into poverty, projecting yourselves into genocide even. Things of this nature that you find very unsavory from your human perspective, from your eternal perspective, you will choose that more complex path often from from birth because of the experience that it will offer you. Because the physical environment of planet Earth, the not uncommon in physical environments, operates in reverse of, of universal law very often. That creates the contrast. 
you, you were taught to give all of your power away. There was some other being pulling all the strings, that you were not creating your reality, that you were a victim of circumstance and things of this nature. That keeps you in this contrasting scenario. But humanity is going through a significant period in what you are perceiving as linear time. The expansion that is occurring on planet Earth at this time is an expansion through a period of what we have labeled society building. You have moved from society building into what you call the information age, meaning you are becoming more educated about how the universal realm operates and how you can operate as human beings with universal law. More and more of you every day are discovering these teachings, and your discovery of these teachings is exactly what's causing the disruption of the institutions on your planet. Hmm. This pandemic, what we're going through now, is this... All of it. All all of it. And it will keep getting... As we keep expanding, it will continue to change and expand. I mean, how does that? Everything that you, that you craft as an obstacle will be solved always. Notice there is nothing that, that is crafted as an obstacle that is eternal. Obstacles are always solved in one way or another because positive is more powerful than negative always. So you have the negative thing that comes through, the unwanted thing that comes through and creates a set of unwanted circumstances. You are expansive beings, so you're always going to solve it in one way or another. Perhaps not in the timeline that you prefer from your human perspective, but it always gets solved, and, and you always expand as a consciousness and as a result of it. Right. So that's where the fear comes in. When people here on Earth fear and worry, that is all just these belief systems that they have come to believe that... And then when they look back at their life and know everything always worked out, that is what you're saying. Everything always works out. People just think it should happen in a shorter period of time or they had their own timeline. Indeed, everything will work itself out naturally. It is not necessarily in the timeline that your ego is preferring. But if you detune the judgment of the unwanted things and you detune the the fearful reaction to it, and allow the vibrational flow, which is the process of universal creation, to create the solution, it will be created naturally. Hmm. So on our ending of this conversation, can you add any value, any little last-minute tips for my listeners? The things that we share can often seem very convoluted and complex. We guide you all to explore the Taya practice that has been created. And we are not speaking of, of David's boot camp. You can explore the Taya practice anywhere and everywhere. And, and the reason that we guide you to explore that is we have delivered it for all of humanity that are ready for it. It is certainly not the right teaching for all of humanity. But the basic practice itself is about understanding your obstacles, understanding your transgressor energy, understanding that you all have a connection to that which we are. You you all have your own version of this. You all hold the power to be more intentional in your thought process and take some time to begin rewriting your subconscious mind to begin creating more intentionally. That is our message. And a set of tools that have been created around that are available to all. So we guide you to explore that and discern your preference, whether that is the right path for you or not. Furthermore, we guide you all to understand that the things that you fear the most, very often the fear that is created about it, you are creating your reality in that vibrational moment. And when your vibration is low, fear can truly overtake you. But understand that you all have a little case history that you can go back 
and recall times where you were very fearful about something that did not come to pass or that did come to pass and you solved it and you moved through it and you can actually find nuggets of wisdom in, in the experiencing of that. You all have that in your history. Remember that because you have a very well-developed fear mechanism across of the collective consciousness of humanity. It's been very well exercised by your leaders for many years. And you are coming to a place now where you no longer want to listen to those leaders. You want to trust yourselves, but the fear mechanism is still very acute. You have the power to detune that fear mechanism. You hold the power to do that and understand that that fear mechanism is used to control you. It's used in your advertising, certainly your politics, certainly many of your religions. Think of how often fear is used to control your behavior and understand that if you sit and ponder something and you take fear out of the, the, the equation, you will feel very differently about it. That mm -hmm. is our definition for you of clarity. And there is nothing more valuable to a human being, to any being, than clarity. Right. Much love. That is Thank you. Ah, you know... <laughs> it's so fascinating because it isn't you. <laughs> I mean, now I see the, the eyes are different. Huh? <laughs> wow. That was amazing. Oh, I got, got to experience that. And thank you. <laughs> that was so fun. Oh, that is amazing. I'm glad it was. Uh, I'm always a little bit of a daze when I come out of there. But yeah, it felt very positive. You were so tuned into it that uh, I think it created a, a very powerful message, a very powerful message in a, in a few short words, really. Yeah, it was so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Any last words from David before we end here? You can check out the Taya practice. You can just Google the Taya practice, T-Y-A. That's a good place to kind of start exploring all of that. I also do a guided meditation for your listeners. If they want a free copy of the stream's Source Connection Guided Meditation, they can text 760-284-7665. Text the word AWAKEN to that phone number. And okay. it's an automated system. And it's not going to be shared with anybody else, but it will send you a link to the Guided Meditation Source Connect. Oh, Again, fine. that's text AWAKEN to 760-284-7665. And that gives you some of the other stream teachings and Taya tools as well. Oh, nice. And you're writing a new book, right? The Taya Practice, uh, it's taken me two and a half years to complete the book. It's uh, actually being edited right now. So the, the book essentially is done, but it's being edited at this moment. And then we'll look into uh, different methods of marketing, publishing, self-publishing, whatever that looks like next year. Nice. And the David you see in a year from now, what is he doing? Is there the same thing, more of something, less of something? Definitely continuing our Taya Bootcamp program because that's very transformative. You can see all the uh, testimonials from that. I think yes, I did. YouTube, yeah. Or listen to your podcast and listen to the people that come on that have graduated. That is so inspiring. Yeah, if anything's going to make you want to do it. So the Stream of David podcast will certainly live on. The Taya book will be published. Taya Bootcamp is certainly going to live on. And then as soon as we're able, starting to tour and doing some live workshops, you know, that was always my goal in the first place was to do sort of what Esther Hicks does with Abraham mm -hmm. of having these live workshops and having people come and, and just be in the space. I've done some of that before and it's just amazing energy. We always have this line of people, you know, to come talk to the stream that we have to sort of cut off at some point, but just traveling the world and doing the live workshops. I can't wait to do that. And we do have a book, the stream eternalism for a better life. Uh, that was my first book. It was published in 2018, but it still tells you how, 
I came to discover the stream. It tells you how I've solved a lot of things in my life with their teachings. And there's 23 core messages from source in here, which are really interesting. It's sort of the top 23 questions you would ask source. If you had time to ask 23 questions, they're all answered. Oh, cool. Oh, I love that. Can you get it on audible or just Amazon? Amazon. I've never done an audible. I need to, we're going to republish, uh, do a new edition and probably do an audible of the new edition. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the original book is still on Amazon and uh, a lot of people, it's really different than most spiritual books. So give it a try. Yes, for sure. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure beyond grateful for you to be here and spend this time here with me. And I, you were a life just changer. You're, you're growing this people and their minds and, Oh, you're just a gift and you found your gift, which is just amazing. The purpose you've been put here to do and it, it shines so bright in all that you do. And I'm just blessed that I, our paths have crossed and that I hope, you know, I just look forward to learning more and joining the Taya boot camp one day and I see it in me. And anyway, it's just all so amazing. David, I appreciate you. Ashley, thank you so much for having me on. It's been fantastic. And uh, you live really close, so we have to get together when we're able and, and have a coffee. For sure. Yes, for sure. Be fantastic. I love that. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already... Please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget, always look for the magic.